0: I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. I'm Holland. And welcome <laughs> to this podcast Does It Exist? Hi, friends. We have a new friend in Hi. the nook today. Please give a warm welcome to our Holland. I think you've heard about them before. Yeah, they've, yes. written yes. they've written in multiple w- times. That's true. They've written in. <laughs> they have written in. They've written the ghost. No. I was going to say ghost poop, but that's the name of the episode. The (laughs) Fister Hotel itinerary from Milwaukee. Yes.
1: Which you've, you lived in Milwaukee. I did, yeah, for two years. So really me writing in was just an excuse for me to brag about how I've lived places. (laughs) But... (laughs) I mean, we started a
2: podcast as an excuse to talk about stuff we know. See.
0: Perfect. Great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, um, but very welcome to you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. We are very excited for today but before we get there we have some housekeeping to do which we're i always making forget making such
2: intense eye contact right now Shannon <laughs> and, really and i are sitting Shannon and i are sitting on the
0: other side like we're sitting we're on the sitting same side are sitting next to each other which which never really happens the last time that this happened it was uh, when ruth was on
2: oh i thought it was greg
0: no greg was episode 100 ruth came on for reading an episode or reading a, a... when when was that that was oh that time is before.
2: fake Flat anyway oh um, yeah, so housekeeping, housekeeping. You, can, you can find us at thispodcastdoesntexist.com. Dot com. Very to the point. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah, all of our episodes <laughs> are there, all the links to our social media. We mostly live on Instagram, but please follow us on TikTok if you're over there on
0: the clock app. You can write in. Feel free. There's a nice, good, big, fat button that lives on our website. First thing that you see, it says write in, and when you click on it, it sends you to an email that you can send... How you doing? How we doing? All the good stuff. If you have a story to tell us, please feel free. If you would like to brag about all the places you've lived, <laughs> yes. please feel free. Weird
2: dreams you've had. Oh my gosh. I also, though, I was. will say, since Holland's here today, if you're a local friend and you have a thing you want to talk about... We're open to guest hosts.
0: Because, friends, that's what's happening today.
2: Yeah, we're not, we didn't do any research. We just showed up.
0: We're here to ask questions and find answers. She's spoofs, I'm goofs, and (laughs) welcome to the show.
1: I also did not prepare anything. What a coincidence. Well, I prepared by living my life and having hyperfixations, which is why I'm here today. Put that on the merch. (laughs)
2: Okay. So what kind of stuff are you going to talk to us? What hyper fixations are you going to share with us today?
1: So I was invited by Shannon, who is my former coworker for those who don't know, and I got R. to P. go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, sorry, uh, triggering. So uh, we still work at the same place, but I moved positions. And at this job, my lifetime goal, like my make a wish for this job, except minus the part where I'm approaching a with death cancer? a kid with cancer yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not a kid nor do I have cancer at least not that I'm aware of who knows what's growing in my body at any Knock given on second wood. I mean the Pennington <laughs> <R>. monster
0: <laughs> licked everything off your legs this morning that's so. true I've
1: been cured by the power of dog saliva <laughs> yeah um so my my like dream has been to go to the body farm at my place of employment and I got to do that. And it was truly the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's one of those situations where I think anybody else would have gone and been like, this is it. But for me, I was like, this is truly like, like, I feel like I'm having a religious experience. This is my Mecca. Very respectfully, very respectfully, yes. very excited about the body farm. And then Shannon was like, uh, well, you should talk uh, about it. <laughs> okay,
2: no. So we were, on a, we were on a team's call for a work-related thing like because we're very work related. we're still in the same organization so sometimes i call holland and i'm like help what was this what were we thinking what what is going on um and we did that for like five minutes and then i was like oh how is the body farm and holland proceeded to talk for like 45 minutes and i was like you want to come talk about this on the pod because this seems right up our alley So, yeah, what, what is a body farm for the people at home that are like,
1: what? So great question, because this is always the first question whenever I mention body farms. So I posted about on Instagram, again, very respectfully, um, and I got a lot of people being like, what the fuck? What do you mean a body (laughs) farm? Where are you going? Um, So, so like, first, let me preface this by saying I am not, I'm not a medical examiner. I'm not a forensic scientist. I'm not a police officer. I'm not a member of any sort of law or legal enforcement. I am simply an enthusiast enthusiast sounds weird this <laughs> to say i am i i am marge simpson I have a potato in my hand. The potato is a body farm, and I just think they're neat. Like that is that is the level I'm at. Like that's the meme. That's the meme. (laughs) Like I I just think that they're neat. Um, So I, you know, take everything that I say with you know a a few grains of salt. I have you know been to one and have I went got to go to a forensics conference. I mean, you guys, if you
0: don't take most of our research with like the slightest grain of salt, just a margarita,
1: just a a rim, a nice little rim of salt, a rim of salt. Yep. For maybe a shot of bullshit. Who knows? <laughs>
2: yeah. And maybe a circle of salt <laughs> if demons are involved. But I don't think there are demons
0: today.
1: Oh, well, I hope not. No demons. Very, very much not demonic. Much more on the...
0: Uh, science. Scientific side. Yes. Of, of bodies. Science. Rather yes. than the pseudo side of bodies. Yeah. Pseudo science of bodies
1: yeah so okay so body farm back to the like what the fuck is that so a body farm like probably first conjures images of like uh invasion of the body snatchers like pod people growing in a greenhouse that are going to create Emma's expression is said that she has never is not interacted with this piece of media we're not we're not horror horror people okay 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 necessarily
2: like audience we're not (laughs) we're not we're not
1: doing audience out there there's a many films and a book look it's okay irrelevant I'm not gonna they get it it. they get it it. it's fine or like cabbage patch dolls maybe like bodies (gasps) growing okay that I do get okay great 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 (laughs) great This is this is the frame
0: of reference. This is the popular culture yeah. piece that my yeah. brought my brain needed. Great. Okay. Cabbage Patch children growing out of a cabbage.
1: But that is not what this is. No. I know. I okay. I think I can. Yeah. I, <laughs> can
0: you imagine <laughs> if I was thinking, you know,
2: a body farm? You pick a cabbage. Yeah, you pick you a open cabbage. it. It's like a foot inside. Yeah. I open it. I mean, there's a pancreas inside for me. Oh
1: my god. That'd be like, nice. Wow. No. What a dream. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. So pancreas patch. <laughs> So this is not that. Um, I think a more accurate name of what this would be would be like, like a body field, <laughs> maybe a meadow. Um, uh, a, a body. A mortuary meadow. Yeah, actually, Ooh. correct. A mor- That's wonderful. Wow, I so, that's us I,
0: I got. I got to the point where I was like, body bog. No, no, that's not what hosier you were saying. Hosier does have
1: a new album out. Mmm. That, that's hosier coded. Very much so. And body Brent. bog. <laughs> we love him. So body farm is the like colloquial name for them. The uh, They all have different names that are all variations on a theme, but essentially they are forensic research facilities. I know you don't mean, like, a theme like a party, but that's where my brand (laughs) is is. from. This is the Tomorrowland. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is um, the Cowboy... Mortuary meadow, decomposition coaster over here <laughs> to your decomposition left.
0: Yeah. Meet a
1: half-decayed Mickey Mouse to your right. Okay, um, no, so so basically, they're forensic research facilities. Cadaver Cove, Cadaver Cove. Wow. See, here we are. We're just really Red helping the brand here. We're, we're very, we're very sorry if this conjures interesting and weird <laughs> images. But <laughs> I'm we're... a
2: certified marketing professional, so
1: yeah, this is my job. Um, my job is just branding. <laughs> so well so so the western carolina one so the big thing to know is that there's only eight body farms in the entire united states they are all attached universities normally attached to a forensic science department forensic anthropology department others like college of science sort of situation the western carolina western carolina university body farm uh their name is forest um Mm -hmm. which is an acronym for forensic osteology research station Mm. forest acronym the one at the university that i visited does not have nearly as fun of a name it's called forensic research and learning lab but essentially these are quartered off sections of land that has not been touched they literally just throw a fence down around a, a parcel of land normally in a forest and then they don't they don't do any like demolition they don't do any like raising of trees or anything and then it's a place where they study human decomposition just out in the elements? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it genuinely is a body field.
0: Yes. I thought or that forest. we were thinking... Yes. I thought that y- what you were going to explain is it's just a facility, like a giant warehouse full of bodies on tables, and they do different
1: things to them. Oh, no. No, no, no. This is... So so they're just in the <laughs> open air. Yes.
2: Cause, well, because the point is to I, be able to... No, Yeah. To research so the that decomp. you know, if yeah a bad person buries a body somewhere, yeah. we can find
0: it better. Which does make sense. But I think I was sanitizing it in my own head of like, there's just, there's not just like bodies well, hanging out. But they're like, not but they're out in the open. Some of them are. Oh, it's, well, some of them are. It
1: depends on what experiments you're running. Experiments feels like a weird thing to say when you're talking but it's about essentially, human donors. It's a, it's a science experiment. Yes. A scientific experiment. They're testing hypotheses around human decomposition. And we're talking all facets of human decomp. So yeah. um, in some cases, they are trying to recreate um, cold cases or murder scenes that they have found in order to figure out why bodies were found a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. What what they could have been exposed to to create certain, you know, conditions on the body when it was found. Um, but in other cases, they're also looking at how human decomposition affects environmental factors. So what does human decomp do to the soil? What does it do to the air? Talk about the bees. <gasps> yeah. So... Um, One of the really interesting studies that the university is doing that I visited, the body farm, is that they're working with bees and looking at how bee pollination spreads scent enzymes of scent chemicals, molecules, whatever, uh, again, not a scientist, uh, of decomposing bodies. So if you think about how a body's buried, you know, two feet underground, a like makeshift grave. You leave it there for long enough, plants are going to start to grow on it. Grass, wildflowers, other fauna. And then those plants need to be pollinated. So bees pollinate them and then they go back to their hive. And because they have pollinated flowers that are growing on top of a decomposing body, the enzymes and molecules that are released from the body from decomposition are now in that pollen, which is now in the honey of the bees at the hive. So one thing that law enforcement and detectives have done is when they think they have found an area in which a body is in, they will go to local apiaries and ask to test their honey to see if they can find the scent, like the the chemicals, the molecules that match so they can have a better idea of where the The body might be. Yeah, right. Because you think the other, if you think about it, the other issue that this raises is that if a body's been there for long enough... Not only do you have flowers growing directly over top of it, but then those flowers are being cross-pollinated with other flowers around. And so suddenly what used to be a very distinct scent chemical is now an entire acre of wildflowers. And scent dogs, while they are very, very good at what they do, if they're trained properly, there is a limit if they have not been trained down far enough. And so at some point the dogs will start to pick up on, well, their scent here... But they're saying, well, there's also scented this whole acre because yeah. the same chemical that is the scent of the decomposing body is now attached to the pollen in a f- acre full of flowers, which they are now smelling. Fascinating. So it can help triangulate. And, you know, it, I think the first thing people think, because this is a very like squishy topic for a lot of people is this yeah. idea of like rotting dead bodies. The reality is, and this might turn people off of honey forever, but the same thing is happening to honey with or without humans, right? Yeah. A deer dies yeah. in the forest. It gets mm-hmm. decomposed, turns in the soil, Flowers go on top of it. That mm-hmm. honey is now also carrying the molecules of a dead deer, right? Like this is not... Yeah. Jenna
2: and the rest of the vegans are like, told you,
1: told oh, you. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's... More,
0: I agree. There's probably yeah. a whole host of vegans that are like, aha, we found another reason you shouldn't have honey. But I mean, that doesn't freak... I don't know. That, does it freak you out? I think it would freak me out if it was, like,
2: there's a mass grave and there's... Like, if this was an episode of Criminal Minds and there was a serial killer who also kept bees, <gasps> then it would freak me out because it's, like, concentrated. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so um, in,
0: in, in whatever next thing any of us write, let's try to work that
2: in. <laughs> yeah. This
0: is not going to work in my fanfic.
2: I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not in mine Does either, not but I'll think my, about work in my, my romance
1: novel.
0: There you go. I mean, mine's not a fanfic, but like. Well, no, it won't work it, in my, rig- or work in my novel, original fiction either, but. The novel. That, that The novel I've been writing for Both of you years? owe me
2: novels. <laughs> no,
1: mine's been 15 years ongoing. We're getting there. Hey. I, high had, five. I <gasps> had the idea when I was 16. <gasps> oh my God, me too. Oh, oh my God. Um, wow, twinsies.
0: <laughs> all
2: right. What was I going to say? Oh, I want to ask the Todd father if oh, he's yes. ever
0: had the police come <laughs> and check his bees. Probably not. The, the unfortunate thing, my father-in-law keeps bees. Sure. Um, and the, whenever there is hampson honey, there is hampson honey. But I don't think that he would be approached because, unfortunately, his bees die almost every year. Mm. And so he has to get a new Cause they're up crop of bees. Mm. And the, the hope is that, like, as, unfortunately, as the winters get milder... Mm. that they will be able to survive that far up north but <laughs> no it's yeah his his he tries so hard he really does he's such a good he's very methodical he's so good at at keeping bees he's really very dedicated to it i'm just picturing but him just, like
2: knitting a little sweater for the hive to like go they around they do it. have
0: blankets <laughs> the yeah, the I hive the hive blankets
2: no, like a, a stripy like the sweater looks like a bee <laughs>
0: it's like i will give him that idea that would be so (laughs) he would love that honestly (laughs) honestly he he would begrudgingly like he'd be like yeah that's that's fine (laughs) but it's cute but he'd put it on there and be like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) 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 i love my father-in-law but yeah i don't think i i I could ask him i bet you he'd be like what why and i'd have to explain this to him or just just send him him this episode
1: episode (laughs) and he'd probably be like whoa didn't new fear unlocked oh, no. <laughs> yeah and right i mean this is not something that like affects the taste of the no, honey in no, any no. way
0: but it is because y- it's the pollen but there's that scent molecule that's attached to it
2: yeah see now i feel like now i want to go and be like there has to be some i mean portland's probably too like um in oregon is probably too far
0: north Doesn't i thought you were saying that? portland's probably too in oregon no 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 <laughs>
2: But like <laughs>
0: to Port- Oregon, Portlandia,
2: like the hipsters or whatever, because I can feel I feel like I could picture like a group of hipsters being like learning about this and then like setting up a beekeeping operation, like intentionally near a graveyard so they can sell like graveyard honey to be weird.
1: Well, so but- it'd have to be a natural graveyard, right? Because so the reason why this works is because we're talking about bodies who've been deposited very shallowly. Decomposing Mm. in the soil. Uh Yeah, Yeah. and so, and also, right, a certain amount of dirt does impact scent. So... You know, one of the question. I should actually rewind and like talk a little bit about how I heard about body farms. Sorry, I got oh, distracted yes, yeah, talking so, about no, 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 no. Yes. Well, because this my event, this eventual tangent will lead to me referencing the person who I I think of as like the the keeper of all things death knowledge related. So I heard about body farms because I read this book called From Here to Eternity: Traveling the World to Find the Good Death by Caitlin Doty who is an acclaimed mortician. Wait, is this the woman who wrote?
0: Uh fire it, it, smoke gets it in smoke your is. eyes
1: yes that is an incredible book You it actually really enjoy it yeah okay she is also an incredible the one, writer
2: the, the the will my cat eat me when i
1: die will my cat eat my eyeballs that one. which i have oh, with yeah. me i have read all of her books she's truly like i say this very soon. one she's a fantastic writer but she true, really is she like f- every time i read something by her it changes my understanding of death and death culture in america so in the in the book uh from here to eternity she is going around and looking at different death practices and different cultures and she visits the western carolina body farm so one of the things that caitlin Doty talks about in will my cat eat my eyeballs which is a book about questions she gets from children about death i
0: love that which
1: is very cute and hilarious i mean children ask wild and crazy stuff but such insightful
0: things like things that most adults are usually pretty wary of asking
1: yeah and so one of the things that she answers in this book is the question of why aren't coyotes eating dead bodies in graveyards isn't that like a thing that could happen and so she goes on to explain that there is a threshold for which scent can travel up through the dirt When you add in a casket, especially one that is lacquered and full of chemicals, and also you add in, right, embalming and all of the stuff that goes into, quote unquote, preparing a body. Mm, They don't want to eat that. Well, When they can't smell it anymore, right? Mm. Because if you, when you embalm somebody, you're basically pushing all of their stuff out of their body, all of their blood out of their body to then fill it up with embalming fluid, Along with right, did you have to take out any organs because they were leaking? Did you have to? How much of their like stuff inside have you yeah. removed? And the more stuff you remove, the less there is to decompose generally. But and then, then all orifices
0: are all of your orifices are usually sewn up. Right? Yes, at least your mouth and your eyes, and like they'll put cotton through your ear. Yes, nails and things like that.
1: Yeah. So nothing leaks out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also because right, it's it's leaking, but also it re- the form needs you're, to stay yeah in order like, to be you, seen your jaw will become unhinged because you no longer have muscle mass because you're dead right so Everything's like starting to push down yep. and in and out and like
2: i'm gonna let y'all talk i'm gonna go
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> time for is, commercial thanks for well, okay, goodbye. <laughs> i will say this is
0: i i'm really glad i find i've made the connection with the other book that she wrote which i don't know if it was her first or i think it was her first because yeah. it it was so fascinating to read because it really was more about the death culture in america specifically yes and in in that way she's talking about her start as a mortician and what they're doing in, in cremation practices versus the embalming practice and preparing a body as you would for what we consider in america a funeral usually open casket which then means that you have to prepare a body so specifically to make them look as human as possible even though it's it's a body that's decomposing, and there are so many pieces of it that are falling off.
1: Yes, and we have a very hygienic culture around death yes. in America, um, which is one of the other reasons why body farms sort of Ick people, is, out. Ick people out. Well, and also why. So body farms use human donors. So essentially when you want to donate your body to science, when you fill out the extensive forms that say what you're okay with doing, you would check a box that says, I would like to be donated to a body farm. A lot of the established body farms have pages on their website specifically that talk you through how to complete the forms that say, I would like to be donated upon my death. And that's because... When you think about donating your body to science, a lot of people's views is exactly Emma what yours was yeah. going into this, which is it's a sterile room. You're going to be very carefully dissected by Harvard medical students. Oh, well, I didn't say Harvard. Gurney. Well, but those, you know, those like. boys to stay away from my body, but <laughs> like on a gurney in a lab in a yeah, you know yeah. school, very sanitized idea. Yes, versus I'm gonna lay your body out. And let it rot naturally and for what, six to eight weeks. And right? see
0: what that shows us about the environment. Yeah. And some
1: it. of these, you know, certainly some of the bodies are buried because they want to mimic, right, what would happen if a if a person, murderer, tries to dump a body and, you know, they dig a yeah. two-foot shallow hole and put you in and then cover you up. But there's also other tests that they're running. So Western Carolina University, the, the test that Caitlin Doty talks about in her book is one of the researchers there is trying to figure out the formula for human composting where you would take a body Mm. and
2: i've seen this on tiktok
1: yeah so so which i think means that they have figured it out at the time that the book was written it was still in research phase of basically right what's the right level of heat humidity and materials needed in order to fully compost a body like bones and all yeah And that requires you being, you know, shoved under a bunch of wood chips with a tarp pulled over you. And also, like, this idea that you're being turned into dirt. Some people love that idea, but there's a reality of consent. And when you're thinking about the long history in forensic science and anthropology of using bodies that are unnamed and unclaimed for... Or that were prisoners
0: or essentially people who are deemed to have lost their right to consent,
1: essentially. Yeah, yeah. homeless populations have often been used and misused for scientific practices. This often is normally people of color whose bodies are misused for scientific practice. So they have to be really careful about who is donated and who they accept because they want to make sure that the people donated have checked the box that says, yes, I'm totally cool. They're Uh, on board. Yeah. And even with the composting one, when they got their first donor for that, they talked directly with the family to make sure that the family, that the guy who had died would be cool with doing something like this. And he'd already checked the box. He already said yes to the body farm. The executor of his estate, who was his brother, said, oh, absolutely. He would love this. But It's still that double-checking of and, and understanding the environment and
0: field that they're in of, like, this is a very h- intense decision. Like, this is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people take extremely seriously, whether that's for religious reasons or for any other reasons. Like, I will say, I joke about being a Vaz, um, but there's some truth. Oh, that,
2: it's a joke now? <laughs> it's a joke? Yeah, <laughs> according, according to her, her? will... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I'd like to say commercial. Um, this is another reminder that you should be talking about death with your parents. I don't care that it's uncomfortable. And no matter how old you are, you should have a will, freewill.org. There's one yes. copy in my desk drawer and one on my Google Drive. Thank all, you so much. I get all of her books.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's true.
2: Yeah. She gets whatever books, and then anything she doesn't want goes to Sweet Briar. Yep.
0: Um, Perfect. But in any case, the like, the, I appreciate that they have that at least instilled at the very beginning of we want to make sure, because this is a space that a lot of people have not been able historically to give their consent to do this, even if it's just being turned into dirt with no experimentation done mm-hmm. to you, that this is something that is understood not by not just by the person who signed the paperwork to say, yes, this is what I want, but also by the family mm. who may understand something different. That's what I was
2: going to say, because I feel like... People get, I mean, families to begin with. Depending on your family, <laughs> I don't know about your family, but like we're an emotional group of people, and then when you throw death in the yeah. in the thing, which is why I I was talking with our coworker, my coworker, Holland's former coworker, Marissa, about this, because I kind of think of her as like our adopted younger sibling Correct. like we're always giving her advice or like she also asks a lot of really great like insightful
0: questions
1: she also asks us if we know who Flo Rida is which continually hurts my soul a little That's bit
0: hilarious Gen Z <laughs>
1: yeah but I was talking to her
2: I was like look like you should be talking like you know you know l- gods and spirits and everybody willing your parents will live a very long time but you should still be talking about it because I was like stop, pause, think about how sad and distraught and a mess you're going to be when one of your parents passes, yeah. especially the second one. Right. Cause then, you know, one passes their spouse kind of takes the,
0: takes the you lead, know. might know like, more about
2: what they want. You, you're the oldest sibling, how are you going to feel if you're dealing with all those emotions, and then you're confused and feel like you're guessing about what your parents wanted,
0: and then you feel potentially guilty for making
2: like the you wrong did it decision. wrong, or like yeah. so? I totally understand these body farm people wanting to be like, I want you to understand. I want your spouse and your kids. I want everybody to be very, very clear because and people, you know what is people happening. are so emotional about yeah. death that I feel like it could get very litigious very quickly if people don't have the right paperwork in place
0: yeah
1: yes and well, they don't want that one <laughs> well, if you find out that right <laughs> dear grandma jane half her body got washed away down you know uh, a sudden flash flood in the body farm important thing to note about body farms because i started this off by saying right they're just like sequestered off areas of the forest there's like an 11 foot high fence with barbed wire around this yeah, farm they're not accessible yeah they're they're not and i, I i'll talk more about that uh, later because i do want to touch on the other really popular question which is can't people just dump bodies there because that is a question <laughs> i asked on zoom <laughs> Um, that's a question I've gotten. It's always, what the heck is a body farm? And then, well, can't people just dump their murder victims there? We'll talk about that in a minute. But they're fenced off areas, but they are exposed to the elements. So yeah. if there's a flash flood, you know, it, it creates rivets in the ground, which can wash some of the body parts away. So if, if somebody finds out that Grandma Jane's hand popped up in a bush in this body farm because she was decomposed and washed away, that can freak some people out. But if that is what Grandma Jane signed, sealed, delivered, put in her will that says that is what she wants, then the body farm can't be. Is it, is it liable rate, yeah. for, yeah. you know, somebody? Which also is, again, why... So the body farm I went to is new, and they do not have any bodies yet. You know, you get on a list of medical examiner of, like, when somebody's going to come to you, and they're in the queue. But there was a chance for them to get a body, but the person, when they had signed the Donate to Science form... The body farm did not exist. So they had not oh. checked the box. And so the executor of their estate said, oh, well, she would be happy with it. And the farm was like, we're not doing it. Like, I've, I've yeah, we need that box that says... Explicit, yeah. Which, while
0: uh, disappointing, I'm sure, to the researchers who are trying to
1: get this body farm up and running. They'll get another one. <laughs> I, I, people die every day. <laughs> yeah, they have had. They've been in the news a lot recently for good reasons, it, because it's new and it's open yeah. it's very exciting. And you, part of you, was on. Yeah, a sliver of my leg and behind and my crossbody bag is visible in a Washington Post article. Very exciting for me. It's like Mike Wazowski on the cover of a magazine with a barcode across his face. <laughs> I, He's would like, really, I'm famous. <laughs> I would really. I
0: would really. I would really like that framed. For you. I, I would too. Actually, oh, that's <laughs> gonna be an episode photo.
2: We're gonna screenshot <laughs> that, and that's gonna be on Instagram this for this episode.
1: Um, <laughs> great. I'm so glad. They have had many people call in asking to be donated, so they will they will have one. Yeah, somebody will come, but they want it to be sure. You yes. know, this is this is a department run by a lot of people who are in the FBI who have been trained to never trust anything the media does. Rightfully so, and so they take every decision with the thought of. How would this look if this was on the front page of the Washington Post, if this got out? The worst possible take on yeah, whatever is exactly, yeah. exactly on the front page.
0: Yeah, which I think is a very valid and very correct way of yourself. If only yes, every industry yourself.
2: behaved under that. Like, what if yeah. whatever we're doing, the worst take on this what a perfect would, world be on would be on the Washington Post.
0: I do appreciate, though, that uh, it's death that we're making sure, at least in this instance, that... We're going to be as correct as possible with this. There is no way that we are yeah. messing around because there is a level of respect across the board no matter what your religion, race, anything is of like death is sacred. So, I mean, yes.
2: I my only concern about this situation mm. is the Marilyn Monroe of it all of how like between them picking up her body from where she died mm-hmm. to where to the hospital yeah it took like a two hours I-
0: don't worry there it's gonna be an episode i know but like
2: <laughs> men can't be trusted is what i'm
0: saying <laughs> um so
2: that's my only concern but more reasons to have paperwork yes that like i wanted this but i feel like there should be a caveat of like if somebody is mis abu- like abusing their power while working at the body farm then i'm gonna sue you <laughs> And I'm sure yes. that there's
0: levels of, uh, I was going to say litigation, but the not like, Yeah, there's levels of security. Yeah, that, they're not just going yes. like, to oh, oh, be hey, like, oh, hey, intern Joe, welcome exactly. to the body farm. No. No, no,
1: no. When I was there, there was one guy out of the group of 15 students, grad students, faculty who were present who had the keys. Yeah. One dude. Which also gets to the thing I wanted to bring up about couldn't somebody just dump a body there? Here's the thing. The body farm I went to had an 11-foot-high fence with two layers of barbed wire on top. So we're talking, like, at least 15 feet high. The amount of effort it would take an adult human to literally, like, chuck another adult human over the fence, I don't think it's possible. Like, very legitimately, I do. Like, they would much rather, if you were... It's 2 a.m. You've just murdered somebody. You're trying to put their body somewhere. It's fine to be. A bridge. <laughs> find a bridge. Find a bridge. It's going to be way faster for you also to yeah. just dig a hole outside the body farm. And then chuck it over. There's also reality of. I don't know if every body farm is the same. But it, the body farm I went to. There's two layers of fences. So you cannot go into the body farm at any layer. Because they have already started running tests on the soil and the environment. Because they have to know what the control is. Exactly. Um. And, you know, you can do other experiments in body farms that are not directly related to human bodies. There are lots of universities that use lots. There's (laughs) eight body farms. So whatever. They do use animals. Um, Pigs are, composition-wise, very very similar to humans. So they're a really common placeholder for a person. Uh, Western Carolina.
2: There was an episode of Grey's Anatomy where they practiced uh, surgical procedures on pigs they yes still, they still do that they in some um, medical
1: schools there have been experiments to use pig tissue to 3d print organs yeah. that can be used for organ replacement
2: also on Grey's Anatomy yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was one of the first so like I my partner's a veterinarian so I'm friends with a lot of veterinarians so I uh had dinner with them the weekend before I was going to go to the body farm and I was very hyped about it and their first questions were what is that murderer's paradise yeah Yeah. putting putting bodies in a farm and then why don't they just use pigs because of you know of course they know yeah Yeah. western carolina university has a policy where they have bears that because it's in appalachia it's in you know the the deep into the blue ridge mountains so there's wildlife they find bears that have been hit by cars or have been you know naturally deceased um that get donated to the school and then the students before they can practice on a live not life. Practice on a donor body. <laughs> Everybody's dead. Correction. <laughs> <laughs> a We're real life. On a, on a live body. <laughs> An <alive> dead person. On <laughs> a live dead person. Um, they have to successfully like do a case on a bear before they're allowed to even touch a human donor, right? That makes um, sense. So humans are not the only things that are practiced on, but they do have these kind of multiple layers of security they are not non-disclosed locations. So you'll know what university the farm is attached to, but their exact locations are it's never not given like out. On Google Maps. Yeah. You can't Which is good. <laughs> exactly. Well, because they're so like University of Tennessee, which is one of I think they were the first to have a body farm, so they're pretty famous. They have had instances of students on Halloween sneaking in and taking <gasps> unfortunate photos of them with corpses, oh right? Oh my god. Because college students are unfortunately gonna college student and be terrible sometimes. So, you know, they have layers of protection. They yeah. don't give out the address. You can find the body farm that I went to. You know what town it's in because there was a whole kerfuffle about the, you know, not in my backyard yeah. thing of Which people is, being like, you're going to smell the decay. You don't you smell don't. the decay, by the way. That's, to smell the decay, you'd have to be trapped in a room with no insulation. You'd have to be sitting on top of it. Yeah, quite. And even then, again, a lot of them are buried or covered in some way. But even You so, don't really smell it. it. yeah. It, mm. and a lot of these people are at stages of late stage decomp so you know maybe in the first week you'd be able if you to were smell anything in the immediate vicinity of the body be able to smell it But and i'm sure it's not genuinely in their backyard it's, pro- it's oh no uh, it, it's, it is yeah. not in their backyard so they would don't have been go
2: fine. hiking through the woods behind your house with your dog if there's a body farm back there if you don't want to encounter anything
1: well so there is a trail that goes by the fence but it's the outer fence not the inner fence so you wouldn't be able to smell or maybe your dog if you have a hound dog who put particularly mm, yeah, strong scent yeah. will maybe pick it up but also important thing to note is that scent dogs only know what human decomp smells like if they've been exposed to it before this is a big part of scent dog training one of the things body farms are used for is to give dogs exposure to decomposing human smell so they can be trained in what it smells like and therefore have a a nose for it because otherwise they're not going to know there's it's, so, it's just
0: another smell that they log in their brain is oh that's an interesting smell
1: yeah your dog unless you have been <laughs> exposing that dog to a lot of dead people is not going to pick up the smell of a body this is
2: another plot of a criminal minds episode
1: yes it sure is and even then right scent dogs have to be trained like we're not talking you ex- you expose, expose them to them a smell like, once okay go for it it's, no you yeah. teach them now the whole thing this is going to put me on a tangent about scent dogs. Okay. I watched a 2-hour presentation about scent dogs. It was incredible. And then I <laughs> saw dogs get to do their jobs. They were very good boys. I got to do that too, but it
0: was for very minimal it was for uh not minimal, but it was like a small presentation when we were in Florida in March of this year. We went to a I don't I think it was like a festival, some kind of flower festival oh. that they have somewhere in Florida. But there were local businesses and local um, institutions that were set up in like the kids section for like the kids discovery section it was like in the gymnasium portion of this place and there was this booth that had these three dogs one of them was a terrier one of them was a lab one of them was a big hound dog with the long long ears yes a yes, lo- yes little basset hound she was so sweet but the lady who was sitting at the booth had this poster board that was these dogs find missing kids and Kids got to volunteer to be the missing kid. Oh my gosh! And were escorted to like a hiding spot with their one of their parents or their guardians, and they would go and hide, and leave behind a sock or a, mm-hmm. a like a shirt, a jacket, anything, and that dog would go and find the kid
2: i want to be the missing kid i did
0: too i desperately wanted to be a yeah. missing kid it was like they they pulled like 30th they, birthday ideas
1: yeah we all do missing kid <laughs> <laughs> missing kid experiments put, with dogs and we put your face on a milk carton <gasps> oh my god okay when i was a child that, that's no we're not doing that but so far? listen when i was a kid my dad had this shirt that he got made that had s- portraits of me and my sister on it that said have you seen these kids that he would always bring with him on vacation in case we got you know taken or lost okay that is a dad move but that then is he, amazing <laughs> but also dad yeah it was if i'm he, standing next to you i know i know and he brought it for emergencies but he would sometimes he just, just he like wear in it, in it out <laughs> yeah he would sometimes wear it out and about and then he'd have people come to me like they're right there my dad'd be like thanks because my dad is nothing if not the most genuine human being in the world <laughs> that's like, so sweet but yeah uh, it's but core memory is ch- that
2: shirt that's why, like, you should take pictures of your kids before you go out, so you know exactly what they're wearing, and like,
0: well, you write your phone yeah. number on
2: their arm, and like, yeah, hairspray it. Yeah, I, I have a, a, a You have a slew. No, I have a folder on my TikTok favorites of, auntie life. Yeah, just so I'll be prepared. It's like how to get kids to eat their vegetables, how to like swim safely, like all these things that I have anxiety about. <laughs>
1: Kids are going to come home from your house with, like, your phone number written in big block letters on their arm. And their parents are going to be like, what? I'm going to be like, why It's Sharpie. Why is, because, like, why you never know. Why is Aunt Shannon's
0: phone number and name and then on the back but of it, on, her face. On,
2: but on this <laughs> other arm, it's just like. My Instagram,
0: it's like, yeah. this arm is if <laughs> you're, you're
2: in trouble, this God. is one if promo. If promo someone, arm. If someone is cute and you want them to be your auntie or uncle. <laughs> and then Venmo, in case that you want to buy my aunt a drink. <laughs> yes. Or a stick snack
1: <laughs> Covered in Sharpie. I'm this a cool arm. Like,
2: <laughs> no, I'll get the- My kid comes home like, looking like Memento. <laughs> I'll get the, um, the, like, ink box tattoos, like the temporary yes. tattoos. Yes. Like, oh, you're coming to Camp Aunt Shan for a week? yeah like, ready to go <laughs> temporary tattoo. QR that codes, codes that's
1: <laughs> all week, <laughs> it's like arms. the podcast yeah <laughs> but, like make sure you show the right one or you're gonna accidentally bring the like emergency 911 <laughs> they're mislabeled and all of a sudden the
0: police are at your door <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh yeah
1: scent dogs are all right that's how so incredible lost kids I
0: I interrupted your oh uh, no 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 no, dogs, no.
2: but did you take a picture of the dogs I don't think I did
1: I do have I'm photos so of the scent dogs because okay, yes. I, was, I was there for my okay. job.
0: Um, we'll talk photos after. I was yeah. not there for my job, and I was also – there was a lot of people.
1: <laughs> yeah. But so, so th- I mean, this is a, a two good points, right? One is that scent dogs, cross-training scent dogs is tricky because yeah. you have to make sure that they have different signals depending on are they signaling for drugs or are they signaling for human remains or children. Yeah, her, her signal was to lay down at the kid's feet. Yes, so they all have different signals, which is also fun. So the two dogs I saw were a... Um terrier and a bloodhound so like yeah. tiny dog big dog tiny dog I love that. was buddy cop duo <laughs> tiny dog ready to go this dog had already picked up the scent before the demo started and was straining to go like, me to go get, get give it. me him let me at like, let me him his owner also so truly proud parent he was Aww. sitting there and he was just like as i was taking photos listening he would come up to me and be like you see she's she's ready to go like dog knows exactly where to go Aww. and i was like and then he, like she went and he was like look at her like like, <laughs> that's where I put the scent. She's already got it. That's
2: my kiddo. Like, what that's a good so dad.
1: sweet. Um, so herbs I think, was barking, like, a certain yeah. number of barks and staying with the object. The bloodhound was uh, to tackle, <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> Just to, like, jump on. Blood- bloodhound was a big dog, right? Yeah. Big, big old bloodhound dog. And so jumping sometimes meant, like, tackling. He was used in things like traffic stops where people were like running oh, um, well, so they would send the dog Yeah, out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. I just appreciate I love it when dogs have jobs because there's yeah. always that kind of thing where they yes. have signals that mean something specific but every time they do that signal they're like I did it I did it right they, they do did it.
1: and they get rewarded for it so there was a really popular story that went around a couple years ago on the anniversary of 9-11 yeah. about the dogs the dogs who worked at 9-11 yeah. Yeah. Oh, Shannon's and gonna cry <laughs> I'm so sorry so, so they had brought in a variety of dogs to look through look yeah. for people in the wreckage right the problem is that some of them were cadaver dogs but a lot of them were like fema dogs who yeah. are used for to looking for live people in rubble problem 9-11 not really that many live people unfortunately mm-hmm. right the whole story is that you know the, the hospitals of, thought yeah. they were going to be overloaded and there was nobody because everybody died on site and the story was that these dogs you know, in looking for people, started getting really depressed because they were only find, finding dead and people. Like, I, I'm not doing my job. I'm exactly. not getting, I'm
0: not doing what I'm supposed to do.
1: Yeah, so certainly there's a <laughs> mental health component there of like the dogs were depressed, but also quite frankly, the dogs get frustrated. This is why training the dogs is so important, is because if they can't find the scent or can't pick up on what they know to do, they're trained based on a reward system, as most yeah. dogs are. So they start to get frustrated that they aren't receiving the reward because they're not doing the right job. And then they start to sign mm. and will start to signal just so they can get a reward, which in the case of nine eleven, meant that what they had to start doing was running fake finds for these dogs. Or they so took... that they could get it yeah. back into their
0: brains that, okay, me finding a, a person oh. like this, great, I have the scent, I mm-hmm. did it right, I did my job. Exactly. And that they could continue doing what they were supposed to be doing rather yeah. than doing any of the fake signals.
1: Exactly. And it curbs frustration for them because they're getting rewarded because they've done the right thing. In the case of crime scene dogs, what it means is that a dog can falsely signal human remains or blood or any kind of human smell and can lead to a false arrest. Which is also why a scent dog is not enough to qualify for an arrest. It is enough to qualify Mm. for suspicion, which can then lead to getting things like a warrant. Exactly. But it is not enough. Because right now, scent dogs are also collectively about 70% accurate. And some of that is the training resources Mm -hmm. are not there for a lot of places. Um, People are also misunderstanding how scent dogs work, right? Right. You need to train dogs in in their specific circumstances where they will be working in order to... Have them do their job properly. So, if you have a scent dog that is used to and trained on finding human remains in a forest, you can't have them find human remains in a car because they're not trained in car human remain finding.
2: Which which means
1: they're gonna false signal. We talked about it on the Amelia Earhart
2: episode. Yes, how they had scent dogs down in the South Pacific, but like the humidity, the whatever they were like, what is happening? Yeah, so that's also a big thing.
1: Yeah, so you can't take a dog from Texas. Well. Sorry, reverse that. You can take a dog from Texas and bring it over to Florida, and the dog will actually have a much easier time finding scents because barometric pressure, humidity, temperature affect scents. Higher the humidity, the easier it is to find scents because it pulls them up out of the ground with the moisture. You take a dog from Florida and put it in Texas, that dog is going to have no idea what's happening. Because it's too dry. It's too dry. Mm -hmm. They haven't been trained in that environment. The same reason why also having body farms... Bringing it back to body farms my favorite topic. Body farms around the U.S. are also really important because you think about how many temperate zones we have. Mm. Right. Bodies decomp in Texas differently than how they decomp in Appalachia differently than how they decomp here because environmental factors are so much different. And they have different like animals impacting and nature that's impacting how they decompose. Yes, Shannon. I have a thought. She raised her hand. (laughs) Any questions?
2: One, I want to mention because I was really sad about the nine I'm so sorry. I <laughs> there was also the seeing eye dog that got her dad and a bunch of other people out of the tower, yes. even though it was dark and spooky. So that was a happier Dogs thought. are so good. We Such love good dogs. dogs. Dogs with jobs. Two, question. I don't know if they covered it in the presentation, but do you have to, do scent dogs have to be like Similar to service dogs where it's like you have to train them from like puppy or could like could the government adopt a bunch of dogs after some sort of aptitude test and then like take shelter dogs and turn them into scent dogs?
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think they covered if it has to be at puppy age. There's definitely a long certification process. There's also some uh questionable certifications out there that the guy who did this presentation is the FBI dog guy, right? This guy worked for Animal Kingdom and Disney. Says yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't say dog, it says dog dog, dog guy. Uh, <laughs> his email signature. Yeah. Dog FBI. D dog guy. D A W G. Um so I mean this guy's like legit worked for <sighs> Animal Kingdom like d- got to see Scent elephants, which is what some places in Africa have that's started incredible. using. That's oh incredible. Oh my God, my God. an what? elephant with a jaw. They find landmines from oh. previous civil wars Wait, and conflicts. Yeah, so they've been using elephants because that's, that's a thing that they have there. And elephants are also very good scent animals. Cats are also very good scent animals, but they're incredibly m- hard to train. Correct. So they don't um, use them because dogs are way easier to I train. I wonder too if there's
0: a breed specificity that they have to follow when it comes to scent dogs. Where it's not just, not and I don't mean like for their scent capabilities, because most dogs across the board are pretty good. Bloodhounds obviously have a, you know, higher c- aptitude for that. But in terms of just their adaptability and their ability to be trained, oh, I know certainly. that there are certain breeds that just do not have the <laughs> stamina, bandwidth, whatever it may be, especially if they're a mixed breed, yes. that will uh, are incapable of actually following and keeping tasks to the end yeah, yeah. and being and being a uh <laughs> food motivated. Like, their motivation <laughs> might change halfway through. I'm thinking specifically of my own dog,
1: who <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't think yeah. would ever sure. be able to
0: do it. Yeah. I was but going like to say, that I was like, maybe we need to
2: get Penny a job. Maybe that'll help her I mean, she probably out. would enjoy it. It would probably <laughs> sure. be something, that it,
0: like, it would be mentally taxing enough that she would enjoy it. But, but I, I do not trust think... Penny to solve a crime. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't, it wouldn't, I don't think that it would be something that she would be able to I mean maybe i'm wrong i don't know but i based on what i know of her she's only food motivated when she wants to be she only is play motivated when she wants to there's really not much i can push my own dog to do if she doesn't want to do it Yeah. so there's a lot of that where i'm thinking oh well dogs of her breed or dogs that are like her breed might end up being the same
1: Yes. So I would not advise trying to train a chihuahua to be a scent dog because chihuahuas are terrible. <laughs> Can
0: you imagine <laughs> <He's really> funny, <laughs> a though. tiny little chihuahua being like, eh, I found it, I found it, I found it. But he's just what jumping, jumping,
1: Beverly jumping. What was Beverly Hills he's chihuahua? Married, yeah. <laughs> like.
2: He's wearing like a sheriff's vest.
0: With <laughs> A little <laughs> hat. A
2: little FBI a jacket. A teeny
0: tiny little toothpick comes yeah. out of his
2: mouth. Like, no, I take it back. Forget the f- the sheriff. I'm picturing like the blue, like FBI, like Bert Burt McLeod. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <wing> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yeah. Little windbreaker. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so certainly yes. I, so some of that is different breeds, different s- unique skill sets. Liam Neeson sure. style that they are <laughs> they have a very specific set of skills. Yeah. So hound dogs are known for having very strong olfactory uh, senses and skills. So bloodhounds, setters. Um, I can. I'm, I'm not the vegetarian. I can't name a whole bunch <laughs> off my list, right? But there's th- hound dog is a, a genre of dog that works best for stuff like this. I would not take a cattle dog no, and have it trained to be scent because it's not a... Scent. All dogs that's have a... Sight a high... ori-
0: that's a sight-oriented dog. Yes. So, like, any kind of herding breed is going to need their eyesight. Herding breeds need
1: to be herding things, yeah. not finding and, sense. And
0: they will not... They're also one of those dogs that they only listen to a specific set of commands and then they kind of do their own thing. Yes.
1: And they need to be mentally
0: tired. I mean... Stimulated uh, constantly. Yeah. Australian Shepherds are such high energy that they actually have a higher rate of hurting people hurting
1: people mm-hmm. than pit bulls do so oh just yeah. so you're aware we had one of those she jumped through our bay window and knocked over our christmas tree two oh. separate occasions Goodness. She R.I.P. She died a couple years ago, Aww, but baby. poor Minerva. Anyways, Minerva, went well, one a out for Minnie. Um, <laughs> they have another dog now who is a uh, more of a hound than a herding dog, and she is uh, way calmer on the yeah. energy spectrum. But yeah, certainly there's breed in the same way that right, like a lot of seeing eye dogs you see are Labradors yeah. because that is a breed that is really easy sight to train oriented. from puppy. They're sight oriented. They tend to be calmer. They're food motivated. Food motivated, which is a huge thing for train. seeing eye dogs. Dogs because right, they get food constantly. I had a friend in my master's program who had a seeing eye dog, and I mean, she, she, they don't. It's not treats because that's you know fun no, food, yeah. but I mean just kibble on her side all the time and constantly just feeding the yeah. dog kibble because that's how she knows she's doing I'm a doing good job. job. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and how she'll keep on track and knows that she's working right because it's the other thing. I love. that like job would like a snack every every time, five, time you do a good job. I'm <laughs> doing my job. You just
0: have you just have Marissa come in every every like twenty minutes, Job saying, off like, a skittle. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's, he just a, it's just right into a, your open mouth. It's now. a time <laughs> release thing. It's just like a gumball. It like rolls yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I've been typing for yeah, ten there's minutes. just a
0: Rube Goldberg machine slowly cranking through its whole rhythm to get you a one skittle every 15 minutes i would yeah. write a
2: novel if i got rewarded every wow every, me too like, however many words
1: i would not i'm not food motivated you got, like a, a Snickers. <laughs> that is how i did a lot of my essays in college junior year i had like did you do the gummy bear thing that we always no, see on the internet i did fancy sugary caffeinated beverages so oh, i'd either get one wow. right before that or get a- one after and I would take it down to the computer lab and I would say this it's like one particular semester I did this when I had three papers all due the first week of finals oh and I was God. like I would get myself either a merry mint mocha from the coffee shop upstairs we didn't have starbucks yet so it was, oh, we, you know, we, an we also had
0: a very specific like, yeah like an local... airmark branded yeah.
1: like coffee thing I'd get a merry mint mocha or I'd go to the little convenience store and go through that like cappuccino machine and just squirt like a every fraction flavor. of every flavor, so it makes this like high you sugar. You suicided your drink. Your it was so good. It's like French vanilla, caramel, hazelnut, hot chocolate. It was amazing. No. And then I would go and I would either get that before as my motivation to say, "You got your drink. Go sit down and do no. your work," or I'd I'm do my after. work and then do it after. It depended on how how much caffeine and I already had. The reward
2: prior. was after, but the motivation was a Mountain Dew Code Black. Whoa. Which was a type of Mountain Dew that they created for gamers <laughs> and then only it was like only released on college campuses. Yeah. And me and Katie Drews were like the only people on campus that liked it. I do remember. To this the point thing. that the Daisy's cafe lady who like restocked everything, like when I would see her <laughs> like I'd be like, You got the back in stock, she's like, I knew you'd be excited. <laughs> Senior year was rough, she guys. Was, she was a sweetheart though. Yeah. I loved her. That was, yeah. And now I don't... I'm going to look it up to it does, see if it, that thing is, I just told you was real is or it not. still
0: happening? Or if it was, if it discontinued. was discontinued? But,
1: yeah. I, a good little treat will get you through a lot. Dogs. It really That's will. how we got here. I was yeah. like, why dogs, am I talking dogs, about yeah. this? Cool. Yeah. I want to talk about death because it's a fun thing. But it also gets to bring in my little bit of folklore, my knowledge, my degree. Welcome to the show about death. <laughs> Have you listened to Beetlejuice? No. Well, the TikTok t- clips that are okay. on. So I get the little, like, the L- Lydia singing the Beetlejuice song yeah. stuck in my head sometimes. I haven't listened to the Beetlejuice cast recording. The only thing it's I know so is... so good. I know the song about death
2: because they did it at the Macy's Day Parade. Mm-hmm. And then I know the, the, like, clip of, like, Beetlejuice. Because <gasps> yes, Lauren it's it's the it's Mortician yes. Yes. on One. TikTok gets tagged in a lot of... Um, child safety things, which get added to my <gasps> auntie life folder. Yes. She's
1: lovely. Yeah, I love her. I like her um, when she leads up to getting called, summoned, as yeah. she says, to posts. Uh, exactly. That's always entertaining. And then, you know, I love we love child safety. We, exactly. love, we yeah. love making also, good choices.
2: regarding the um, composting thing, she like went to that facility, <gasps> one of the companies. Oh my god, a dream. Because uh, she's like been, f- like she's friends with the owner or whatever, so they did a video where, because they're basically like they sort of look like, you know, like the ice chest freezers that people yeah, will, like, see, have yeah. in their basement. It looks like that, but it's filled with like wood chips and stuff. And they put your body in and there's like a barcode and they put you on a shelf essentially.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait for you to decompose. But so
2: they had one of the, a clean box and yeah. she went inside to like prank the guy because he was like giving an informational tour and like went to open the thing and she like jumped out at him. <laughs> It was very funny. You know
0: what? Sometimes you need that that humor. But imagine
2: the terror that would fill you I, if you opened a pod that see, is I meant to I, hold bodies. I wouldn't
0: want to be the one to get scared. I wouldn't no, want to be the one to scare. No, you scared. don't want to Yeah. Die. Okay, so tell us
1: about death. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about death. So, well, I think that... One of the things that has always interested me the most about body farms and why I got so excited about them is that they allow for natural decomposition. Obviously, that's the whole point of why they're there is so people can study natural decomp. But that's not not really a thing we love to think about in American death culture. We really hate the idea of natural decomposition. Natural burial sites, I think, are on the rise, but they're still pretty hard to find and they're not yeah. common. And we have a lot of rules and regulations that feed into the capitalistic, exploitative funeral industry and mechanisms of such that make it really hard to find a place where you can decompose naturally once you've died. Which, like, I felt really inspired by Caitlin Doty's work, partially because her whole spiel is going against those capitalistic practices that make death, quite frankly, really inaccessible to a lot of people. I was just listening to another podcast they their whole premise of the show is that they talk about the things that they've had it with it's a basically an hour-long kvetch session where they can (laughs) like get all this stuff out of their system and they in one of the episodes were talking about death and funerals and the one woman was like death is such a racket which is so true it's like it's so much it's so expensive the casket the the whole like ritual of it and particularly in American, and particularly American Christianity systems, right? Death is so removed from the living. Like, we have all of these rituals of, you know, you sing the songs, you do the prayers, but there's very much a set formula of what happens when somebody dies and you do a funeral that feels incredibly detached from the people who are still living and who are grieving. And Caitlin Doty's whole point in a lot of her work is that, the way we think about and handle death in America is really unhealthy for us and it prevents us from being able to mourn and some of that has to do with our real aversion to dead bodies in general which is why the body farms are super interesting because it sort of forces you to be if you're a researcher confront these ideas of what it would mean to you know naturally decompose and die there's a lot of other practices in the world right that kind of put natural decomp at the forefront sky burials in tibet are one of the most famous ones where right you you get laid out on a rock and the vultures eat you immediately while people are watching there's like open air uh funeral pyres open air cremation uh, not maryland we're in maryland america (laughs) doesn't have many sites where that is legal there's one in colorado but it is only allowed if you are a member of the town or have been a member of the town in the community. And then there's one at a Buddhist uh, temple somewhere in the States as well. Mm. But we just are really afraid of death. And some of that comes from our thought that death is unclean and unhygienic. So this is kind of where folklore comes in and why we have this really fascinating intersection of science, religion, and folklore when it comes to death and, you know, what we sort of get squishy about when it comes to death culture, uh, human decomposition and decomposing things tends to be one of the things that people get really icked out by. One, because it's, I mean, it is gross. It's disgusting. It's yeah. gross, right? There's a lot of fluids. It's not wrong
0: to be icked out by yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, There's a lot of fluids involved. It's yeah. a lot of things dripping, things melting, things bursting. Maggots. maggots. A lot of bacteria, fungus, flies. A lot of gnarly stuff is happening yeah. when you die. There is, though, a reality of we we feel that death and dead bodies are naturally unclean entities from the moment somebody dies. And a lot of our laws and regulations are based around this idea that the second somebody dies, it's like they become full of pestilence. And that just being near a dead body is going to, to kill you or harm you in some way. Not entirely true, right? And this is where folklore gets really fascinating because... Folklore doesn't folklore does not care about what is scientifically accurate. But folklore always feels like it's real. So even if the science behind dead bodies that says unless you have very specific diseases that can be transmitted through bodily fluids, whether or not you're alive or dead, like cholera or Ebola, you are not going to be harmed by being near a dead body. Like, you can, you are not going to smell a dead body and be in the air. It's not a fungus. A body's not, a, we're not in the last of us, right? Like, a person dies and you're not going to automatically be like, inhale some kind of death illness because you're near a body. But we have created this culture and the system of beliefs that says that that will happen, which means that we often get taken away from bodies so quickly once they die that we aren't given the space to mourn them properly as you know d- mm-hmm. dead bodies you know
2: versus like sitting shiva in jewish culture exactly or like irish wakes where you're like just on the kitchen table and everybody's drinking around
1: you yeah exactly and this also combines with our excessive use of embalming <laughs> quite frankly yeah um you know we because we have This desire and this idea that death has to be really heavily sanitized for, I mean, what we perceive as hygienic reasons, because we think that, again, dead bodies are going to inflict us with some kind of crazy pestilence if we let them sit for too long in our our vicinity. So we pump them full of fluids (laughs) to keep them alive, or not keep them alive, keep them from rotting so we can do things like open caskets, so we can, don't have to deal with looking at dead people as they are which is dead we can pretend that that's not a real thing that's happened that it's a mannequin in front of us and it's not an actively right active organism system of which you know, always freaks dissolving. me out right I've on- yeah
2: I- i've only been to i guess technically four funerals and i like spend the whole week talking with people and i always wait till like the last pass or whatever and then i'm like
0: yeah. hi,
2: like, you go, and then I always have to go, like, in a way, like, away, a because I, like, cry, because it feels more, like, yeah. you can pretend, like, it's not a thing until you're, like, sitting Confronted in with front it. of them, and I'm, yeah. like.
1: <laughs> That's a body in a It's in a, a, a body stuffed full of chemicals. And newspaper. And newspaper, and plastic wrap, and staples, and, hu- like, literal, like, hot glue, li- hot glue right? Yeah. Like, so, it's, it, it is maddening to me
0: that I'm and i it, obviously all of this is very true this is this is stuff that i think a lot of us in at least the u.s can identify as um instances that we've very much been a part of like these cultural aspects of death is so far away from us we don't have to interact with it if we do not want to we can pretend as though we the, the dead body doesn't exist that you know oh well I remember them as they were not as they are now kind of thing which that is fair and that is a perfectly correct way of mourning if you need it to be but it isn't it's so so sanitized now that we end up with these traumatic experiences or these instances where there isn't space to mourn for those who need to and it's not great. And I, that's also why I kind of want to be made into a vase. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: So,
1: Holland, have you thought about what you want done with your body? Oh, that's actually body a great farm. question. Really? Body yeah. farm? Yeah. But I would I would like to go to a body farm. Got to do the paperwork. I do have to do the paperwork. I actually keep thinking about that, that I need to do the paperwork. But the body farm that I visited does not have, a, <laughs> not have a form yet. Yeah. Um, I would like to go to a body farm. I really like the idea of a natural burial Um, natural decomposition. Because this is the other thing. Our system of sanitizing death means that we have created a massive environmental impact Mm -hmm. with that. And... We are loath to fix it because the industry does not want to fix it. The government... It's a
0: good moneymaker. It's
1: a huge money maker, And money talks, unfortunately. And so the funeral industry, part of the reason why there's so many restrictions on how you can be buried and where and why, is because of the funeral industry that says, nope, you can't do that. The place of the funeral pyre in Colorado had to do a lot of lobbying and a lot of bureaucratic red tape cutting in order to get that pyre to happen. Um, also why there's not many around. There's, and there's of course, a lot of it is breaking stigma. Again, we think, yeah. you know, people are like, I don't want to smell the bodies burning. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, what if that makes me sick? What if that increases pollution? And there are cases in countries that do have really high open air cremation rates, like places like India, where it does have a very significant environmental impact. You think about how enormous their population is. It's a lot of trees. It's a lot of burning. It takes... Two to four hours of extreme high heat in order to fully cremate a body. Which Wh- is why we have kilns. Massive kilns that, that get up to 2,000 degrees and You like- can do a handful of bodies at a time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... They don't prefer to, but they can. Yeah. It, it, it's a process. And if you're doing open air, that means it is a, a lot of logs. Yeah. It takes a lot of wood to burn a body to the point in which it is cremated. Because it's not condensed heat mm-hmm. at all. Because the kiln yes. makes that... Con- can. Traps the heat. Trap the heat. It, what am I trying to say? It's like a pressure cooker, but yeah. minus, like, the humidity. It's just... It, yeah, it's it, just it, heat. Yeah, it's just very, very high heat. Also, why the whole... Another thing that Caitlin Doty talks about is the the, like, you know, internet meme that went around of, like, I'm going to fill my stomach with popcorn kernels, <laughs> and then yeah. it's going to be a real surprise. And she was like, one, that, that's rude. Two... When you're dying, you are not going to want to eat a whole bunch of popcorn kernels. I can almost guarantee that. Three, it's not going to work. Popcorn no, needs to be like 140 degrees exactly or it won't pop. And this will be in your body in a 2000 degree oven. It'll burn. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to turn to ash before like, anybody knows. You
0: know those popcorn kernels at the bottom that are like burnt to crisp and you're like, ah, oh, dang it, that one didn't pop. That's it's what's that. going to happen in your body.
1: Yeah. Also, it's not going to make a loud noise because the uh, guarantee of popping so... bag... Is not going to be as loud as a cremator. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> like, kiln is so
0: loud; it's like deafening.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's just fire, and yeah, heat and yeah. air being pushed around. Yes, yeah, it's very, it's very noisy. I also the,
0: I, the reason I know this is because I read Ka- Caitlin Doty's yeah first great book, book. also so that's book. that's the reason I know this I don't just know this off the top of my head
1: highly recommend all of her stuff it's fantastic she's also she has a YouTube channel she's got a whole bunch of stuff I mean she's just if you really want to start thinking critically about how you understand death and death culture highly recommend um
2: while we've been recording this episode I found her first book on Libby and borrowed it um so if I have to go talk to my therapist about this, I'm, I mean you guys you might, are going to get a, get yeah. a text about it.
1: But but I I do think that right it has been really positive. I had and this might get a little too personal trauma for the pod. Oh, please. I, <laughs> I had a year in my life where I had three people die back to back. And it was really traumatizing. It was full, full like, breath of d- possible deaths. It was somebody old. It was somebody middle-aged. It was somebody really young. It was, like, sudden, unexpected tragedy. It was cancer. It was old age. It was it was a lot i was living far away i had not really experienced much death in my life up to that point so which i'm very fortunate for but that means that when you do experience a lot of death all at once it really fucks you up yeah um and i will say that reading her books helped me a lot in not i'm not perfect death still freaks me out and keeps me awake at night but it did help me come to terms with a lot of things in relation to death and i think it's also really important to think critically about this part death is a thing that we will all have to experience at some point right because inevitably the people around us will die and if you don't live long enough to see the people around you die that's really sad (laughs) right but also i mean i mean everybody around you will have to deal with death yeah and the way the system works is really exploitative and really brutal it's the reason why having a will is really important. It's the reason why, cl- even when you're young, clarifying what you want done with your estate. I will say that my great aunt died unexpectedly and very tragically when I was in high school. And my dad, who is the most organized and put together of my aunts and uncles on that side, um, handled her estate. And it took him five years to settle her estate. Ooh, five years of dealing with it because she had not had anything settled because she didn't expect to die when she did but that's what happens in life sometimes you just fucking keel over unfortunately and it sucks and on top of having to deal with the grief of losing someone you don't as shannon was saying earlier you don't want to have them to also have to deal with no, like a would you they don't. want a gasket what music do they want played you know and i think that Death is a total fucking racket. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes it, there's only so much we can do about that in the culture we live in. But I think that you can start making choices that will make it less of a racket for the people around you. And if you want the big ritual of it all, you want the casket that's, you know, lacquered and painted. And you want to be embalmed and you want to go in the earth six feet under and you want to, you know, do that. In a grave, in a cemetery, you want the whole thing where they swing the incense at the Catholic funeral and only let you pick one of three verses. Eagle's
2: wings. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. You sing the same three songs every time. You read the same homily, whatever. Great. Love that for you. Make Make a decision. But I think also I encourage everybody to research what else you can do because you don't have to do any of that. No, There are natural burial options. There are body farms. You can be cremated. You can have your remains turned into jewelry or turned into a vase. You can have your body donated to science in a lot of various different ways. Body donations are really important for science because we need human beings to test on and do run hypothesis, hypotheses on in order and to teach, know how things work. And teach medical students how to treat alive patients. Yes.
0: And figure out the things that make, you know, our insides go tick in ways that we haven't found out before. Yeah. So.
1: And I think that there has been a growing change in forensics fields where they have, there's a push to stop treating bodies as anonymous objects and to start treating them as Human donors, and I know that there's one university that when they have a vigil for the six bodies that they use in anatomical study mm-hmm. for the semester and they invite the families to it. Yeah. yeah, there's in the in Caitlin Doty's book at the Western Carolina University body farm, one of their early donors, the family came and dropped the body off to like to put to rest. And then when I think it was the husband who died first, when the wife died, she has to be put next to the approximation of where her husband had been at the the farm. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I think that there are options. I think that nobody is, nobody is stuck having a funeral that you don't want. But also I encourage everybody to think about what are the reasons why you want that funeral, right? Like, are you only doing it because you think it is a cultural necessity? Or are you doing it because that's what you genuinely want? If you, if you don't want to, decompose naturally because you just think that right oh well aren't i gonna leach into the water and poison somebody you're not actually the things that are leaching into the water and poisoning people are the civil war soldiers who are embalmed because they embalmed them with arsenic which is still seeping into water supplies like you and plus we're all barbie
2: because there's microplastics inside all of us yes
1: yes (laughs) also if you have a fear that you're gonna turn into a zombie I have a, shout out to my one friend who genuinely wants to be cremated, who and has for a long time because she's afraid of turning into a zombie. Um, I'm with I'm with her. You're pretty. First of all, d- no, your body's to be pretty pretty solidly mummified. You're not going to be able to do much walking because you just don't have muscle mass anymore. But <laughs> also, you're going to be pretty far. And decomposing happens pretty fast. You'd have to die, and the yeah. zombie outbreak would have to happen like two days after you die. Hey, it could happen. Though. It could happen. I don't think it will because thankfully. Um, Rabies and weird ant viruses have not reached that level yet. (laughs) So so yeah, I think, I think that, you know, my interest in body farms comes from a very genuine place of this is what I would like to do when I, with my body, when I die. I think that they're really important for research. You think about forensics research as being something that we can only study when people die, right? All the stuff that we know about forensics, we know from finding murder victims and that's really sad But if we can improve... Ethically sourced (laughs) forensics. Ethically sourced forensics, right? But, like, if we can improve being able to date bodies, if we can improve being able to track scents properly, if we can do all of this stuff faster and more efficiently, then we can solve cases faster and more efficiently. Which means that, like, we can catch killers before they strike again. You know, there are people also doing a lot of stuff that's not directly related to decomposing bodies. You know, we have genetic genealogists now who can track and pinpoint probable suspects through using genetics to trace family trees all the way back. And it takes them two weeks to do what it would take investigators to do six months. Yeah. Um, Improving scent dog capabilities. You know, they have not reached the lowest threshold of scent dogs. Like they have not figured out the limit of dogs being able to smell scents at a quite literally molecular level. Like these animals can find a q-tip of blood buried in a mattress in a house full of conflicting scents and point it out. Like it's wild the stuff they can do but we need exposure and we need training in order to do that and You know, forensics research facilities are one of the ways we do that, but it also allows, from my perspective as somebody, right, who's not not a forensic scientist, but who's just a person who wants to have as minimal environmental impact as I can, when I die, it gives me an opportunity for my body to be used for something, as well as decompose in its most natural state, which is just out in the woods. Like, and I feel like there's something really poetic and beautiful about that that I can say that I mean I'll be dead I can't say it but that you know in my theorizing of it I can say well I know that if I die I'm not only going to be doing the least amount of harm upon my death but I will actually be helping people because I'll it'll, be useful yeah I'll be useful in some way and I don't really care if my Skittle. thank you <laughs> thank you yum 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 I don't really care if my finger rolls off down a hill great I love that if I could be eaten by vultures that'd be cool except that's a closed practice for Tibet but
2: I hope that they lay you out on the body farm wearing your tacos.
1: Truly. In (laughs) your
2: truest form. In the woods.
0: Sorry. I I meant to say thank you so much for bringing this to us. This is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that you're a death
1: ambassador. Truly. Oh, that's the biggest compliment I've ever. Gotten. That you, you need a little you need a little I do pin. need a pen. I will say that everything I've learned is I'm just parroting Caitlin Doty Again, I've plugged yep. her 15 times. I'm going to plug her stuff again. We'll add, we'll we'll link add her book her in the books show notes. in all the show notes. We'll
0: add uh the links to um, a couple of the body farms that you mentioned as well into the show notes. Yes, um, yeah. So that if if you are so inclined, also freewill.org, also freewill.org. If you are so inclined and you want to do this as Part of your, when you die, your last living will and testament says, this is if what I want. If you want to be laid
1: out in the field, baking in the sun, turning into dirt.
0: <laughs> if you want to be part of the pancreas patch, let us know. <laughs> if you would like the to
1: be a little baby feathers. and a head of lettuce, yep. bringing I will it back.
2: Be, I will be sending this episode to my mom because I know she wants to be donated to science because she has shared her will yeah. with me. Like she has the songs picked out. She has whatever but I don't know if she knows this is a thing.
0: I mean, it would be really, I feel like it'd be very much up Karen's alley of like, yeah, the, exactly a, the same way she's that you a said. nature person. Yeah, but exactly the same way you said of like extremely poetic, be laid out into the world and decompose naturally, but also at the same time being useful for the future, for being able to set some kind of way forward. So I, I love this. This was incredible. Thank you so much. This yeah. Is, we could genuinely talk about this forever. I know. Oh, I sure could. But, I have so many things I'd love to talk about sure, right now. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone listening also. Write, would, a, write in if you want a part two. I'm sure everyone else would also. Uh, everyone who's listening also has questions or uh, things or they might know something else. They might be even closer to the death industry. Then we are. Yeah, um, I would love a real expert thoughts. to talk about this. Yes. So <laughs> yes. if you if you do, please write in. We will of course share that with Holland so yeah. that they can also read it and yeah. see. If you get
1: enough, I'll come back on and Part answer two. your question. Yes. I'm, I'm making that up. I don't run this. I'm not in charge. I just... Please. <laughs> If that's okay. This you're in charge great. right now, and, and
0: that great. That is a great idea. We give so, so much power. Um, friends, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this. We definitely did. This was so much fun. We would love to have you back on, and maybe next time more in a listening capacity, so you don't have to <gasps> yes. be, you know,
1: the one, a part of things. And
0: maybe that might be next week, you guys.
1: <laughs> Who knows? I, I am here to provide dumb commentary with no purpose and be obnoxious. <laughs> We're so excited. That's Woo! also our purpose.
0: That's it. That's the show. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, we love y'all, and we'll see you later. Please remember this podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> Thank you for participating. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> I say your name. Oh yeah,
1: I, I might forget that. <laughs> I'm me. I <I'm> panicked. <laughs>
0: Okay. (laughs)